Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in for we are on week four of our new show, Controllables and Explainables, where we are trying to build better leaders of the future. Uh, a Bear, you gave a great mission statement at our last book club meeting as for for our leadership meeting, and it included the lines of uh, leadership, culture, your cult, your I got to get the wording right, culture, leadership, mission. Help me out here. I got the words mixed up here. Um, but that's something that I really thought our show could go on to. But today is going to be a really special day. We got our first special guest, Nick. Thank you for joining us today. We are so glad to have you here. What are you going to be te- teaching us about today? So more the culture piece of what you just discussed. Um, I My degree is in communication studies, basically just how people interact and conflict res- resolution, pardon me. Um, every time I make a mistake talking, I find it funny because my degree is in communication studies. So I just laugh at me anytime you hear me say <laughs> something off communication <laughs> studies, leadership, yeah. culture, mission. But like, that's the biggest thing that we're trying to get through to people is helping, helping leaders who don't quite know how to lead, communicate with their members, communicate with their teams and just try to get the point across is what we're really trying to get, to get out here. Yeah. yeah my biggest thing is there's no such thing as over communicating. Right. Especially if you're trying to run a successful business. For sure. You want to be able to know that your people understand what your goal is. And a big thing is that culture. And I say it all the time. And Nick, Nick, you can tell us as much as you want about yourself. But I, I know Nick considers himself to be an entrepreneur as well. And I say it all the time. I love startup companies. I love entrepreneurs because they always start their idea with something that they're passionate about. And that culture is read it into it immediately from the get-go yeah exactly and then they get too big and then then we got questions right once you start your company's big and you need help and so you get these outside sources and that can hurt the culture sometimes but that that culture is what starts the company that's what companies are based off of well and to that point i mean we so i'll back up a little bit and kind of give an intro on me and then i'll get back to that point of culture making or breaking it uh so I'm the director of our operations for a local solar installation company here in northern Utah. And um, basically, I it's my job to hire and find the talent to do the jobs in the office and to help find technicians to go and actually do the installation. So um, we actually had an experience this week where we look, were looking to hire somebody. And me and my um, the head project manager that I work with, um, we have been interviewing a couple of different people. We thought we found the person that we wanted to fill the role and we were ready to send the acceptance letter. And we're like, well, we'll, we'll hold off. We know it's going to be her, but we'll just kind of see what happens from here. And, uh, and we're like, we'll just do the, the last couple of interviews that are here. They probably won't even show. Cause that's just some, that's what happens when you try what to interview happens? people. <laughs> um, and then the person that we are officially hiring and is starting next week came in and from the get-go we knew that this person would fit the culture like it wasn't even a question we're like yep this will work based on their experience in the past this is just we know this is where we need to go good vibe from the beginning um very open but not in such a way that is woe is me because there's a difference for sure um so it's just to that point that we're early enough and on in this company that I get to really set the tone and the culture for what we do, which is really fun for me. And I get to be the one that influences and decides, okay, who do we hire? How does this work? And I'm very much of the philosophy, hire very slow and fire very quickly because one bad person will tank your company quicker than anything else you can ever do. Yeah. I I got a question on that. Um, A lot of questions that I get is how do you know, like 
I, I've been interviewing people for about 20 years now. Um, and at the beginning of my career, I thought it was you flip a coin and you'll see in six months <laughs> if they lied to you or not. Right. But I feel like I've gotten pretty good at finding out the right people instead of the most talented person. What's your take on that? What or what are some of the things that maybe you do? Maybe some of the questions that you ask to try to find out if you can see that <clears throat> culture in them? Because that's a question we get a lot. One of my favorite questions was actually asked by the our, our director of field operations, the guy that makes sure the installs get coordinated, and he reports to me and whatnot. But he asked the question. We, we try to do more than just one interview first. And every time we do an interview, there's at least two people in the interview doing the interviewing so that we can then dis- discuss what we learned afterwards. Um, and then if we like the person beyond the first one, we bring them in for a second one. So really take your time to vet the person and get them to come out of their shell a little bit. Um, and it just depends on what you are like and what you do and what you like. For me, I'm a very personable person. I can't work with a robot. Some, some people like the robot and think that the very personal person's too soft and, and that's not their vibe. And that is okay. Like just do your thing. This is just how I operate because I'm very much, I'm a very deep thinker. So I try to find the people that are also deep and willing to open themselves up to also think deeply and really consider the situation from all angles, not just, I got to please my boss and get this stuff done. So, um, but my favorite question to ask is actually, um, if you were stuck on a desert island for a, for one month, who would you take with you and why? Because that question will give you, the response to that question will give you everything you need to know about that person. Because the person will say, oh, I would take Kim Kardashian because I feel like I can, this is actually a response that we got to this question. <laughs> That's fantastic. I would take Kim, Kim Kardashian because I'd be kind of bored and I'd want some entertainment. I feel like I could take care of myself. I now know that this person won't rely on other people, is not really a good team player. Won't come to me if they need help. Even though they looked really good on paper, it's yeah. like they're not going to work great as a team. They want to be entertained. They're here They're here not to fulfill a position. They're here to actually just, they don't know what they want. And this isn't, and, and when I, like they don't want what I want. And so I know I don't want them. My favorite response is I'd probably bring my spouse because, and if it's a girl, it's like my spouse is really good at doing what he needs to do, which is good because I know they're going to work as a team. They're going to seek help when they need help, but then they'll also report to the people they need to report to correctly mm-hmm. in the way it needs to be done. So that's, I just, I love that question. And my other favorite question is, Hey, what would, if I called so-and-so on your resume, what would they say? Not what would you say they would say, but what would they say your weaknesses are? And then depending on how willing they are to answer that question, then I know, okay, you're going to be honest with me or you're not. Like and, and how comfortable they seem. And I, and I just go off of my gut vibe most of the time, to be honest. Like, I've, yeah. I've, I've interviewed very good people that I think hey, they, they work. Like I said, we were going to hire X person, and then Y person showed up. And we're like, no, it's definitely Y. Gut vibe, we screwed up and think and even considering other person because we know that this person mm-hmm. is going to be the best fit. Yep. With that second interview, are you performing that second interview, or are you bringing in two mm-hmm. just other guys uh, just to do because, it as well? Uh, just because we're so small and where it's at, and and they re- they have to report to me. I'm always in the interview, but I bring in either my my director of field operations, and it doesn't matter if they're going to be a field technician or an office assistant, project manager, whatever. I use him because he is very good at reading people, and then I use the other gal because they're going to be working very closely with her. And I want to make sure that she's still happy because I very much value her input and her opinion because of she fits the culture that I want to bring just by being herself. And so I want her to feel supported by the other people around her. Holy cow. 
That's awesome. So, okay. So then I guess with your degree, what is your end game with that? So this is, I appreciate that question because this is where it really comes into play. I don't plan on being here in this COO position forever. Yeah. I actually really want to break off and start my own um, consulting firm, basically coaching where I help people work through their own stuff. Cause half the time, and, and I see it all the time. I, I won't hire people that are unwilling to open up to me mm-hmm. because I know I can't teach them. They're not teachable. They don't think they have a problem, so I can't help them fix their stuff down the road. So I want to help people see their garbage and then work through their garbage to better themselves. That is like my end goal is to help. And that's honestly the heart of conflict resolution. Um, we, we talked a little bit before we got on about this, about the book called the anatomy of peace. Mm-hmm. Um, Hey, Bear, you want to talk about it? Just because you've read it more recently than I have by the sounds of us talking about it. But I can't count how many times I've read that book. Um, and Mason knows <laughs> as well that this is my fourth Bible. Like, this is. <laughs> it's real, though. Yeah. And, and I challenge everybody out there to read this book. So, again, it's called Anatomy of Peace. It's, called, it's by the Arbinger Institute. And when, I, when people get to know me and ask why I lead the way that I do and manage the way that I do, and I say it's because of this book. Mm-hmm. I learned more about myself and about other people through that book than any other book that I can think of. And it has guided me in a way to one, not be the person that I think I used to be and to realize that people are people. And that's the biggest thing. It's getting a point it, it says this phrase many times that view other people as people with fears, needs and desires that are just as real as your own. And it says that over and over again, because that's how we need to see people, especially mm-hmm. if we're going to have lead conflict them. and resolution or lead them or whatever. If we need to persuade them to do something, if we want to have good relationships, we want to have a good marriage, we want to have good friendships. You need to see that those people have needs, desires and fears that are just as real as your own. And that's what that book's taught me. And yeah, we, we preach it to everybody, don't we, Mace? Yeah, we do. And what's the, what's the sequel to that? Uh, leadership and self-deception. self-deception. Now that book came came out first. Yes. And then anatomy piece is like a, a prequel that came afterwards. Right. It's the backstory <laughs> of Lou Herbert. It's mm-hmm. both of them are great books. It's written, it's written in a, as a, as a story format, but, yep. and it's a fictional story, but it teaches the principles in it. So it's actually really fun to read. Yeah. It's not just like a do X, Y, Z. Yep, exactly. And if you, if, if you're looking for one more geared towards business, then leadership and self-deception is the way to go. For sure. Um, but then yeah, anatomy piece just goes a little deeper. Uh, it goes a little wider. Like I love the influence pyramid that they talk about in there. It's a big one for me. And, and it gives you that the more of the why, you'd want to do that. And it goes deeper and it goes more into relationships, which leadership is all about relationships. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's another book, five levels of leadership, right? There's the, and I'm not going to go spend too long on this one, but it's just the point that you can be, you can have a title, but people won't follow you unless Mm -hmm. they like you and you can perform and then you can then teach them to replace you. That's like the progression that you want to have. That's another great book that I like. And I've read a couple of times. Um, Jumping back to the anatomy of peace, though, my favorite part in it is that, and the, and this is this is the heart of why I want to do what I do, and why I do what I do, and why I lead the way that I lead when I try to lead is I, I can't pull somebody to where. I can't push somebody to be where I want them to be if I'm not already there, and the principles taught in the anatomy of peace, and just by trying to improve yourself makes it so that you level yourself up and a high tide raises all boats. And I've heard that used so many different times in so many different scenarios. And and I don't think it's emphasized enough to where it's like, 
don't try and make other people better until you've made yourself better first. Yeah. And you can do both simultaneously, but definitely work on yourself. If you're not working on yourself and you're stuck in your own head and your own garbage and you think you have nothing to improve about, that's where you're going to land. Um, sorry, one other thought <laughs> um, is, is so I'm also running a, an Instagram channel, um, the official Nick Moyle. Um, just talks about just a lot of the mental aspects of working through your own garbage and figuring that out. The one that I'm posting today actually says, um, he, he, this guy, I don't even remember who it is to be honest, but he quotes this. Um, he says the mat that he find this quote that he says, this has never hit me so hard. The magic that you are looking for is in the problem that you are avoiding. And if you're not willing to go and fix your own problems and your own stuff, then the thing you want to have happen in your business or in your division or what, or in your family even is not going to happen um, until you do that thing. And I've, and the two things that I found guys, I could go on and on. So stop me if you want to ask more questions, but um, if you have a brain where you want this to go, but the thing that I found is so important when we're looking at this is there's two things there's two reasons I think, and there's probably more, but these are the two that I've thought about. There's two reasons we avoid things. One, because we're scared that it's not going to work or two, because we're too arrogant and we don't think that it's going to work and it's not worth our time. Yeah. Um, both are dangerous fear. In my opinion is easier to overcome because it's, you just do the, it's, I, so I, I had to do therapy several years back for OCD and it's, it's called exposure, uh, it's called ERP therapy. I can't even remember what it actually stands for, but it's basically you do the opposite action of what your fear is telling you not to do. So my fear says, check the light switch. Make sure you turn off the lights. Make sure it's not going to electrocute anybody. You don't check it. And you just sit there and think, holy crap, the house is going to burn down. Yeah, and it might be my fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you just sit in that anxiety till the till you realize the bear that this thing was in your brain is actually not a bear. And it's like, oh, okay, that's not a real threat. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so that's the easiest way to overcome fear is you just do the thing. You quit thinking about it and you and you acknowledge it. You can't push it away. So you have to acknowledge it and go, okay, where is this coming from? What is it stemming from? Ah, it's stemming from this belief that, crap, I'm going to go to hell if I don't read the Bible every day of my life. Um, so you don't read the Bible as long as you think you should or you don't. You know what I mean? Um, you just have to do the little things to show you, oh, there is mercy in life. <laughs> right. Um, so that's I'm, the fear I'm side. still not going to jump out of a plane to get over my fear of falling. Sorry. It's... Well, we're going to take you skydiving now, Chad. Yeah, we'll hey, Barry. We'll Sorry about that. <laughs> I'm not doing it. If I pay I, your ticket, will you skydive. come? Just, just push me off the top of a roof and I'll drop if onto I, a trampoline or something. If I pay your ticket, will you come? Uh, probably not. Absolutely but if we do, not. we'll record it and throw it down on the show. There we go. That'd be some live action entertainment. That'd be a blast. You betcha. <laughs> so the other one is arrogance, right? And this one is not something, unfortunately, you can teach. And I have very little patience for arrogant people because they're impossible to work with. They're impossible to get along with. And this is, for me, this is where the, the heart of conflict resolution really comes from is, is it either comes from your fears or like every conflict, okay, this is, this is what I was trying to say is every conflict I've ever had is because of some issue in my own head. I've never thought, oh, the dishes are dirty. And it's never about like, so say me and my wife are arguing about the dishes being clean or not. It's never about the dishes. It's me wanting to have the house in order because that's important to me. And it's her wanting to feel like I'm supporting her. So I do the dishes and it's never about 
or it's me wanting respect. It's just, it's never about one thing or it's never about the thing that you're discussing or fighting over. It's always about some deeper rooted issue. Yeah. So for me as a leader, it's important for me. And this is what I've been trying to do. I I religiously have one-on-ones with my employees where I coach them through their own stuff. And that's why I only hire the people that are willing to be coached. And I can tell they're willing to be coached because if they're not willing to be coached, I don't want them. I don't want to deal with them. I I do not want to deal with the garbage and the trauma and the drama that they're going to bring. Cause I'm okay with everybody having like, like Abra was saying, I'm okay with everybody having their own feelings, their own needs, their own doubts, their own, everything that they're working through. As long as they're willing to let me help them where they kind of have to let me help them in order to do our job better. Yep. Um, and to get along better then that is okay. So I religiously have one-on-ones where I coach people through their stuff to make sure that they're okay and they're not taking work home with them and they're not bringing home to work so that they can just focus and be where they need to be. And the gal that works with me freaking loves them. She's like, I need one every week, not every other week. I was like, sure, whatever. If you want them that much, if that, if it's really helping you, that's okay. Yeah. And it should be based off of their desire to get better and to improve. Mm -hmm. Well, that was my question is, is just how often are you doing those one-on-one coachings with your employees? We were going to do them once a month. Um, and then I just, the I, I I really do go a lot off of my gut, um, and my gut just said we got to do it more. And and the gal kept saying I I just need it more often than this. I think this is like free therapy, <laughs> and I get I get paid to have therapy. And um, that's crazy. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> but yeah. um, but she loves it, and it yeah. works for her. And she's finding answers to and about herself that she didn't realize she had before. That she that she she's finding she has questions about herself and her life that she realizes she didn't even have before. And we're just taking it one piece at a time, one thing at a time. And she's had a hard life. Like I, I would not wish her life upon anybody. Um, and I, and I don't want to share any stories because I haven't asked her permission. Yeah. But, um, one was really hard. Like somebody died and that, and yeah, I'm just gonna leave it at that. I'll, I'll say this for you, Nick, though. Somebody told me this a while ago, a couple of years ago, I said, you know, I, I'm, I want to get a plaque on my desk and says, Abir Eckley, the therapist, you know, instead of supervisor or whatever, because mm-hmm. that's what I feel like a lot of the time. But she told me, she goes, but that's what people need. If you're actually a therapist, people don't come to therapists a lot of the time. There's that mm-hmm. stipulation. Mm-hmm. But now somebody comes to you and they do feel better because of what you're giving them. And so that's, that's what I'd say to you as well. Like it's, it's important to have leaders like that that are going to be those quote unquote therapists for their people so that they do get it out somehow mm-hmm. and they don't hold those stories and those feelings in and try to work. Cause one, they're not going to be as productive and two, they're not going to be the people they want to be either. Well, the fun thing is, is then you don't have to pay insurance bills. Yeah. You're well, the one running it. But yeah. now I wouldn't <laughs> mind though, getting the pay of a therapist. That would be, that would be, be nice. nice right? Yeah. Be better. Yeah. Well, it's just the thing is, is what we, a Barrett, especially what we've seen with our experience at the fish tank is, is the more people grow outside of work, I really feel that they bring that growth inside of work as yeah. well, right? They, they bring those positive, those positive vibes. They're, they're hitting goals outside of work. Well, they're going to want to hit goals inside of work too. And it's just building that confidence or whatever way you want to call it. So with that, that's actually what I try to do is I say, hey, look, I'm going to be your coach for a little bit and we're going to talk about what you want, not just out of this, but what you want in general out of life. And, if, and honestly, like here's, here's my other thought. Is this same gal has told me, she's like, Nick, I would never, ever say this to another boss because I feel like I'd let go of it. I'm not planning on being here forever. I feel like I can tell you that because 
you're not going to judge me for it because you've heard all of my other stuff and mm-hmm. you haven't judged me for any of it. And I'm like, you're right. I'm not going to judge you for it. And if it really is that you want to be somewhere else, I will help you get somewhere else. Yep. And I am okay with that. I'm okay with cycling people through. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll take you and love you as long as you're here. But if it's, if you ultimately want to go be a, I don't even know what <laughs> teacher, basketball coach, whatever. Yeah. yeah. A skydiving instructor. Yeah. Just one of my, one of my favorite stories is this gal who wanted to be a basketball coach and yeah, I helped her do the same things and she became, she was a lead. And so she got the skills that she needed to be a better lead. Yeah. But then eventually she became a girl's basketball coach up mm-hmm. in Pocatello. Like, and, and that I, I use that one when they, when I'm asked in interviews, you know, tell me about like one of your proudest moments or whatever. Like that's one of them. Like I helped her become what she wanted to become, even though she didn't want to stay at that company. And that's what growth is about. Uh, I had a director at our at the fish tank tell the same thing. He's like, in my first in my first one on one with my team members, I tell him, in two years, you're not working for me. Either I'm gone because I'm progressing myself, or you're gone because I've done what I need to for you. Like, love that's, that. That's that growth mindset is so powerful. Right. I love that. And I and I don't work for people that aren't that way. I just won't yeah. like an interview, like jumping onto the employee side of things. Cause there's going to be employees listening to this too, right? Like when you're in an interview, interview them too. like find, ask them the 100%. kinds of questions that you need to know about them to know, do I even want to work with these people? Yeah. How do, how do you feel about, um, em, em, employees when we do give them the time to ask, okay, what questions do you have for us? And they don't have any, like, really it's don't like have any questions you haven't thought anything about it. Yeah. You haven't like, you obviously are just kind of checking a box off your thing. I can tell you're not serious about this. Um, and it's like, I'd prefer, I would prefer to have a very, and and I'm just very real as I talk on this is how I am in in an interview is as I actually typically will lead the interview off with saying, I hate interviews because they don't let you be real and they don't, and they make me seem scary. And I don't like that because automatically if somebody doesn't like that, I know that I know that I don't want them and they're not going to want me and that's cool. And and we just saved each other a bunch of time. Right. Easy interview. (laughs) Um, it's, it's. The whole, the other heart of conflict resolution is scarcity. Scarcity mindset of, okay, I'm desperate. I need this employee. I don't care who it is. I don't care what's going on. If you're scared and desperate, you're going to hire the wrong people. If you're scared and desperate, you're going to get into the wrong job. If the people that I've hired, for whatever reason, the gal that's starting on Monday has been out of work since October because of health issues, but she's worked on them and she's back and she feels confident. She didn't give me any desperate vibes. This gal that's my assistant that I freaking love to death is like, is like as if she's my little sister. She didn't work for like seven months before and we hired her. They weren't desperate. Mm-hmm. They knew what they wanted. They were waiting to find something they wanted. And this gal has been so much better than the person we had to let go and we now have the replacement for. Interesting. Ooh. So, because the, the tough thing it could be is when your company, especially one that's growing quickly, is yours, and you need the people. You need the people. You it's, just it's get them on here. So, we'll train them. get them on here. We'll so train them, much right? worth. <laughs> so much more worth just taking your time to find the right people. Because if you get the wrong people in, the wrong people are going to make the people you want leave. Yep. Exactly. Oh, I, I, and it's, I cannot <laughs> preach that, that enough. <laughs> I cannot preach that. that enough. So, like, fire the. I almost said a bad word. Fire the crap out of everybody that is not going to help you. Um, yeah, we haven't played the explicit mark on any of our episodes yet. We so haven't yet. We haven't yet. <laughs> I, I'm glad I didn't make it be the first, but, but that's all right. Um, just, I, it's definitely not worth yeah. it. And it's, and it's worth making your projects take a little bit longer. If it means finding the right people that are going to fit that vibe mm-hmm. to help you in the long run, totally yeah. worth it. Nick, I want to go back. 
I want to go back to maybe your high school days, maybe even it's middle school. <laughs> what, where did this all come from? Did you have an experience working for someone where, man, this boss was so terrible. I want to be the difference maker for other people. Have you kind of just been around the... I've had an innate desire in me since I was five to help the hurting person. Okay. Always. I don't know why. I don't know where it came from. I honestly think it came from God. Um, But for me, I just have always wanted to help people become more than they could be on their own. And I wanted them to see it within themselves that they could be this freaking fantastic, amazing person. Mm -hmm. Um, We're sitting at a table of guys with Savior Complex right here. (laughs) We are, honestly. (laughs) Really, though. Um, And that's okay. That's actually why I get along with you, Abear. And now that I've met Mason, I'm like, hey, that makes sense. (laughs) So, um, But that being said, I've also learned, because that's a good point. I can't save everybody, and I've, right. I've grown to be more and more okay with that. But that's why I find the people that are willing to let me help them, and I try and help them. Yeah. And that's why I don't want to deal with the people that don't want to be helped. That's why they don't fit my culture, my vibe. They're gone. I don't even care. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, Go ahead. I'll fill the gap there for a minute. Um, you said something earlier that I wanted to touch back on um, where you said, you know, it, you, you painted a picture in my mind. You talked about the leader has got to get there first. Mm-hmm. And before Mason's wonderful mother made our logo for us, he had a placeholder on the logo for uh, on Spotify. And the leader's on the top of the mountain pulling the people up. Mm, that's right. Right? So we touched very briefly on it, um, but I want to get back into it, if you're okay with that, on yeah, emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. So, so give us a snapshot of... <laughs> How do you get yourself there first, and then how do you get your people there? It's more of, and I'm glad you asked this, because for me, it's, I mean, we can talk about all this stuff, but it's a way of being, um, and, and I wanted to get into the meat of, okay, we can talk about these other things and why it's important, but I want to talk how to do it, because otherwise, if we just talk about why it doesn't make any sense. So this this is a perfect question. I appreciate that. Um, I found it's not even, and, and, and I could be wrong in this, um, but I've found that as long as I am not being stagnant, it doesn't matter where I'm at on that trail, as long as I'm moving in the direction that's up, even if they're slightly ahead of me, everybody's different. We can all teach somebody something. It's the people that end up being stagnant. And again, the people, myself included, I'm stagnant sometimes. I'm not perfect all the time, guys. Mm-hmm. I'm human. Um, I don't even want to pretend to be perfect. Um, cause that would suck. <laughs> um, but it's really hard to explain because it really is a state of being more than it is a, and there's things you can do to help you get in and out of the state of being. Um, it, but it all comes down to your mindset. Like, what do you believe? Another great book that is free on YouTube to listen to, and you can listen to it in an hour is as a man thinketh. And Oh, I've heard of that. Oh, it's guys. It's, okay. If you haven't listened to it, that's on my list it. this it's weekend. Such a good freaking book because it literally, what you think, turns into your reality, and what your reality is, causes you to think things that reinforce that reality. Mm-hmm. And it's to keep you. It's it's literally your brain's way of keeping you safe. It goes back to the fear thing. That's why I think fear is easy to overcome because I've practiced doing it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not perfect at it because I don't always recognize it as fear. But it's become easier the more I just go. Yeah, that thing's really scary. Let's go do that thing. That's why I say, let's go skydiving, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we can start with baby nope. steps. We'll go to no, we'll go up to Lava Hot Springs first and do the third platform, and then we'll go skydiving. I was thinking baby steps of the whole jumping off a roof onto a trampoline. That sounded like some good baby steps. <laughs> that yeah. sounds like it hurts, start though. There. 
it's it, it was really fun as a kid though it was yeah. really fun so it you've hurts. done it, it you've done it so let's it do the next step 40. anyways <laughs> let's do the next step <laughs> no because now the fear is if i land a certain way i might not stand back up <laughs> like my body is not you're as young as there. my brain oh, man. is you're getting there um so, but yeah so just hang on give me just a sec 40 is a different world just gonna put that out there for everybody 40 is a different world <laughs> Like you hit that, you hit that clock, and you're like, "No, I'm I'm good. Give up." (laughs) Um. So just it's. Have you guys ever heard of the Tear Cycle? T E A R. Uh -uh. No. Your thoughts. Your thoughts lead to your emotions. Your emotions lead to your actions. Your actions lead to your results, and your results reinforce your thoughts. So if your thought is, "I suck at life," then what does that make you feel? Mm, Yep. Tell me. For me, it's uh, I give up and I turn to chocolate. I ain't going to lie. Like, so that's the action. Or whatever thing, yeah. So what's the emotion, though, first? The emotion is, the, it's that failure. It's failure, that thought of hopeless. failure. And my big thing is mediocrity. I, I want to be something someday to somebody. And when I don't hit my goals, I'm like, I'm never going to achieve it. So that's the thought. Yeah. And then what, what does that thought lead to emotionally? Yeah, depression. Depression. Which leads to the action of, you said chocolate. Yep, chocolate or not doing the big thing, the real thing. Chocolate's the joke, but it's real. But <laughs> the real thing is then I don't go forward with my plans. I and that's, I stop my and, progression. And the results then are? I'm never going to achieve what I want to. And because you didn't achieve what you wanted to, it reinforced that thought that you were right. And it's going to do that positively and negatively every single time. Guys, every single time. Um, and so it's so important to catch that. The way you challenge that thought is you first say, well, what is that thought? If we look at it, is it a question? Is it an exclamation point? Is it just a statement? What does that thought sound like to you? Is it a yell? Is it like, tell me, just go off of this example that you're thinking, Aber. It's more of a, a nag. You mean the thought of like wanting to do better or? No, 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 no. Oh. The thought that puts you in that depressive oh, state. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. I'm sorry. sorry thank you that. for clarifying. Yeah. So yeah, that, that one is, is more like. It's this flash. It's this reminder. You suck, Abear. Like you did not do so it's this. A, so it's you're a never going to get there. So it's a yeah. statement. It's a good way to put it. Yeah, it's so, a billboard over my mental freeway. The thing that I found that helps me is question that. Our minds give us stuff in a statement form. Ask a question. So you suck. How do I rock? That's a great question, Abear. Yeah, how do you rock? Do you rock, Abear? How do you rock? How do I rock? Yeah. Oh, Why are you can't. awesome? I don't want to get explicit on this radio, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think I'm a good dad. I do think some of the skills that I've learned from, again, from anatomy of peace, I, I'm a good people person. I rock in the people world. I need specifics, brother. Because um, I, heard, I heard a question in your voice when you said that. I am extremely patient with my children. I would mistakes. agree with that. I would agree wholeheartedly with that. So how does that make you feel now? Feel like a good dad. Feels good. There's a question in there somewhere. What's the question? <laughs> what are you questioning? He's drilling you, man. I like that. This, this is what I do in my one-on-ones for people, okay. and it's uncomfortable. What and I appreciate I letting getting. I appreciate you getting very vulnerable on this podcast because okay. this is what You're I good. love doing. Um, I guess I question: Am I going too soft sometimes? That's that's the question there. I think I'm a good dad. So why could I f- be better? So why do you feel the need to be harder? Maybe. Well, hang on. Back up, back up, back up. Give me two seconds. Okay. Let me think about that. Am I going too soft? Where does the need to maybe feel harder on them come from? I think that people need to have standardization in their life. 
have security, have some sort of discipline, whether it's external or internal. Hopefully, I believe that external discipline breeds internal discipline. So consistency more than anything. Why? Why do you believe they need that? Because people without discipline do not lead fruitful lives. Without discipline, there's no freedom. Yeah. I agree with that. I just, and this, these are okay. If you're okay with the why behind it, because I feel like you're okay with the why in yeah. this instance. It, it feels like you're good with that. I'm okay with that too. I think we do need discipline. We do yeah. need structure. Like without it, I mean, it, we're talking about controllables and, ex, and, and, and explainables, explainables, right? Yeah. So, um, so I think it might, my fear, to go back to your original yeah. question, my fear of am I like too patient? I never want my patients to come off as apathy to my children. So Why? Why? Because I don't want them to think that I don't care. Like I still want them to improve. Why? Because I need to see that they know that I, my discipline for them or whatever it is, isn't to discipline them. It's to give them a higher goal. This is why you're a good dad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, see, like he made me feel good about myself. It works. So, so this yeah. thought... <clears throat> So this is, this is literally what I coach people through anytime I coach them, and this is what I train people to do is examine your thoughts because what you think will determine your reality. How do you now feel? I feel like my kids might succeed in life. That felt more confident than what you were saying <laughs> earlier. Just looking you in the yeah. face, and I know not yeah. everybody on here can see it, but that looked and felt way more confident. Right. What action will that now bring? I'll try harder. And then the results will be? I'll good, be a good, Dan. Right, yes, exactly. So, so this is when you hear the 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 statement in your head, and everybody hears them. Common ones, and I don't want. I don't know. It's it's interesting because words are definitely. Bruce Lee said this. Words are. We literally cast spells. That's why it's called spelling. Hmm. With what you say, and you could cast good spells or you could cast bad spells. So you don't want to necessarily talk about all the negative stuff all the time because that's that's a balance I try to have. Is I don't want to climb Mount Molehill. If that makes sense. I don't want yeah. to turn a molehill into a mountain. That's just the way I like to say it. Climb a mountain molehill. <laughs> but um, there comes a point when you just need to move on from the conflict. And you just need to go, okay, no amount of digging into this, scraping at this will, will help me at all. But if you've never explored the depths of why you do what you do, you're never going to get where you want to be. Mm-hmm. And if you're not recreating your brain and the thoughts and the way that you want it to be and and to what's the word manifest this is this is literally how manifestation works this is not right. we don't just imagine this cute thing and it shows up this is the trail of how it shows up is right. is do we allow our thoughts to lead to emo- good emotions to lead to positive actions that lead to good results which reinforce our good thoughts which then brings the manifest which then manifests the thing we want into our life mm-hmm. i think that's what this is going to be all about what i'm getting from this and especially with the interaction what i just saw is i think the end goal the end game, especially with all of your one-on-ones, is is you want to get your employees to self-assess, mm-hmm. is, is what I'm getting at here. Mm-hmm, it, you just brought the five whys into a one-on-one, is what you just did. Mm-hmm. That was yep. awesome. Which I we always, uh, you know, at least at the fish tank, we're told to bring the five whys into a process. And I'm to not going to lie, process. I don't know what the five whys are. You basically just did it, though. So you kept asking me why until oh, you that found the actual okay. yeah, 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 yeah. question. Yeah, yeah. Until you get down to the root cause of the problem. I mean, so we go through it all, all the time with processes that work to improve processes, but I've really never thought about it. Why don't we bring the five whys into the our lives and to the people problems and allow them to really dig down deep into the root cause of that said issue? That was yep. awesome. Yeah. Just so 
And that's the biggest thing, I think. Just another skill set to work on with conflict resolution. Because you can use it for yourself first, and you can question yourself. But the ultimate questioning comes when you can lead somebody down. Because why is not my favorite question, honestly. Um, it works, and it gets you somewhere. Yeah. But if you're listening... You were doing the same thing, but using more in-depth wording. Yeah, exactly. Like, right. That's how you said... I heard doubt in your answer, right? I heard a question in your answer. Mm -hmm. So you made me ask my own self, well, why did I question that? Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's exactly what you want to do. Like as a coach, as a leader, if you're not asking the questions, that's how you get people to then be introspective. You can't, I mean, if I told you, Chad, your room's dirty, you need to go, or Bear, sorry. I met him when he, when he went by Chad. I apologize for everybody <laughs> on here, but um, Bear, your room's dirty. Go clean up your room. Cause it'll make you feel better. How likely are you to do it when I told you to do it? Yeah. <laughs> but if yeah. I said, Hey, I noticed you're feeling a little down. What's the state of your room? It's dirty. Do you think cleaning it would help you? Probably not. Depending on my age. Depending okay. on the age. Yeah. yeah. Depending yeah, on the when age. When I was a kid? No. No. Why? Right. I don't do chores. But, but, but the idea Video of games make me happy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Still do. Let's not lie. I agree with that. I like black <laughs> ops, but <laughs> I don't know if I'm supposed to say that on ah, this. That's totally fine. 100%. That's totally fine. <laughs> My boy's playing some COD right now. It's good times. Um, anyways, that's just, I. that's, yeah. I mean, what other I mean, questions you got? Right, like it? you gave us a lot of tools on how to help our employees self-assess each other, and so we can really help grow our teams there. But um, going on the lines of, oh, you, you have a thought. Go ahead. You're good. So the other thought that I have, sorry, and, I, and this is what I was trying to get to earlier is, once you start building this process inside your own employees, they can do, and you teach them how to do it, mm -hmm. they can do it with each other, and the conflicts actually melt away because, again, the reason there's issues really stems back to the fact that there's an issue inside themselves, and something that somebody else did triggered some past thing in their brain or triggered, it was a result that they have no control over, and it triggered that thought of, shoot, I'm not good enough, or crap, yeah. what are we going to do? So if you can coach them through their own stuff, the the people to people conflict crap goes away. Yeah. That's what I loved about leadership and self-deception. Again, not a real company, but if there was a company that truly ran like that, which I think Nick's trying to do, remember the main character goes to that one person and is like, you know, there's this thing called self-deception. She's like, yeah, you're in the box. And he's like, what, you know about that? And, and like the whole company knows this. There's no secrets at the top. You know, mm -hmm. everything's open. There's honesty, Right. Good companies place high value on truth, right? And so, mm -hmm. like, that's the mindset that people need to get once, okay, everybody gets it, share that with everybody. Then, yeah, we, like, like you said, conflict takes care of itself when everybody has that same culture. And everybody knows how to handle it and how yep. to work through it. So, and that's why it's important. To, like, there are times when, yes, you do have to lead and you do have to, te like, you do have to actually teach and you have to be hard on people. But if you've done, like, this is the other part that I think is super important is, is and I think, Mayberry, this will actually help you in your thought of maybe I need to be a little more stern with my kids. As long as it's followed up with love and they know you're telling them because they know that you love them and care about them, the correction doesn't feel like a correction. It feels like a, hey, I love you and I care about you and I want you to succeed and here's how I think you could. Yep. So as long as, as long as that is the thing that is portrayed, if you're being like, hey, you're a retard and um, you shouldn't do that, <laughs> then like, who's going to take that? Well, I'm sorry. Yeah. I probably shouldn't have said the R word, but there you go. Um, Makes me think of The Office every time that comes <laughs> up. Oh, I love it. That's a show that couldn't be 
in today's culture. There's no get way. canceled so fast. Yep. Anyways, but uh, you, a bear, you you definitely said it. Placing high value in truth, and that was my last question that I wanted to bring up to you is just full transparency. And I guess how can we build a culture that allows your upper management and lower management to have that full transparent full transparency without any uh, fear of repercussion, any fear of you know just the the you know the 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 fear of man, I'm never going to work with you. I'm never going to talk to you. I'm never going to take you seriously anymore. Because right now at, at the fish tank, we're going through that a lot. We're having two sites merged together. Each site had their own different ways of doing the exact same thing. It's mm-hmm. incredible. We were no each building, yeah. Each, each each building did the exact same process, but they went about it in wholly different ways. And we're merging together and. There's not much transparency going around right now. Everyone's walking on eggshells. I think there's so much fear on how we're going to be judged for what we say right now. Well, and it depends. I don't know your guys' positions in the fish tank, but it it has to start with you. And it's and I'm a firm believer in, I mean, there's a quote that I love. It's by, everybody attributes it to Nelson Mandela. He actually quoted um, Marian Williamson um, in her book that she wrote in 1992 called A Return to Love. Um, that's a subheading. I can't remember the, the main heading on it, but, um, it's, and I know, and I'm sure as soon as I start saying it, you're going to know what I'm talking about. Um, and now that I want to say it, it just slipped my mind. Um, (laughs) our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, talented, gorgeous, fabulous? In fact, who are you not to be? You're a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about you shrinking so that other people will not feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory that is within us. It's not just in some of us. It's in everyone. As we unconsciously let our light shine, no, pardon me, as we consciously let our light shine, we unconsciously give others permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own self-doubts, our presence automatically liberates others. Have you seen Coach Carter? I think he quotes that, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he does. It's, a, it, it's so beautiful. But Thanks. it's that point that it has to start with you, and, and ideally it's the person at the top that's doing that and is showing, look, I, I do care, and I don't want people to feel stupid, and I don't want people to, feel, to worry about repercussions. Because ultimately, I mean, like, if you look at the psychology of it, the reason we get... Heated and aggravated is it's 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 a it's emotional self preservation. It's it's trying to keep us safe in what we know and are familiar with, and that's why anytime we learn something new, we go through the oh I'm not gonna the tear cycle usually is negative because we're on a learning curve, and you can change the way you look at that by going through the tear cycle and and analyzing your ideas for change and growth and and how you view change and growth. Because um, I used to view comp, sorry this is just I'm kind of tangenting a little bit, but I'll come back to it. Um, the, I used to view conflict as a scary thing that you avoid at all costs. Yeah. And you, and you just people please your way through life. And this is, I, I love that both of you agree. I got a, lot a of point people do, unfortunately. I know. Right. Yeah. Um, but I'm now to the point that I view conflict as a conduit and a chance for growth and exci- I can't even say it without grinning and just getting <laughs> big. Um, I, I just view it as this beautiful thing. That is hard, but totally, utterly, completely worth it at the end. Um, and so that has to be the mentality of the leaders before it's ever going to take place in the employees. And that's and that's mm-hmm. that goes back to the idea of, look, 
if you're a leader, you've got to be there first before you can take people there. And if you're an employee looking somewhere and you don't like what's going on and you can't, like you literally have no control because the guy above you is walking all over everybody, probably could leave and you'd be just fine. I mean, like, I don't know. Like, obviously don't just take my word for it, but go figure out what you need to do and figure out your own stuff because a lot of the time, this is the other thought with conflict, is when we justify why we're right, we're never going to change and nothing's ever going to happen. So in my in my brain at Fish Tank, what you'd have to do is get people to realize there's more than one way to do things and there's no right way and there's no wrong way. As long as X result happens, the middle stuff doesn't matter. Yep. View failures as an opportunity. Uh-huh. So does that answer your question? Oh, then? yeah, it does. It, 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 it definitely does because, like you said, there's we're doing things multiple different ways, but the end result is the same. Like we both have the both end, we both have the end game in mind on mm-hmm. what we need to do, just getting there. And when people do that same thing for years, it's so hard for them to get off that path. Well, and I was going to say, too, if they've been doing it for years, they probably had some input into how that thing happened. Yep. And there's pride in that. Like, like I'm not going to lie. If the owner of the company that I work for came in and said, Nick, we're going to do it differently now. I don't like the way you're running it. Um, but you still have to work for me. I'd have a really hard time with that because I've tried to develop a culture that I think will breed excellence in the long run. It's a little mm-hmm. bit rocky at first because I want to take the time to train the people that are going to be here so that we can make a long-term thing happen. Um, and so it is slower at the beginning. So it's it's you also have to deal with people's sense of self and their own pride. And that's, again, it starts with the top of you have to drill them. Like, why are you feeling that way about this thing? Like, why do you feel so stuck on this? Because I built it. Cool. Is it, is it like, are you really proud that you built it? Well, totally. Well, cool. Are you okay? If it's going to change a little bit Mm -hmm. and if they're not willing to be okay with that, then they probably need to go. Right. Because it's not going to help. Like it, and it sucks. And, but like you have to, like we're talking about controllables and explainables. You have to, Control the things you can control, which is yourself yep. and your own emotions and take 100. The other book that I love is Extreme Ownership. Um, you have to take 100% responsibility um, by Jocko Willink. Oh, I love it. Um, you have to take 100% responsibility. Um, otherwise, nothing happens. You can, this is, I, going back to the, I was trying to talk about justification. And if we justify where we're at, we're never going to change because it's your fault. Mm-hmm. If it's your fault, I can't do anything about it because I can't control you. Right. But if it's my fault, I can do something about it. That's a good point. So we're coming down to the end of the show here. The last thing that I wanted to bring up, give you the chance chance to answer is, is tell me some of the best attributes that a leader has had in, in your life. Tell me who the, your best leader was, whether it was in one of your earlier jobs, a teacher maybe, just kind of one of the most inf- influencers in your life. Um, I'm just going to get – this is – so – I don't know. You guys aren't politically correct, and I appreciate that, so I'm not going to be politically correct either. Um, honestly, Jesus Christ. Mm. Um, not just because of what I've read about him, but because of what I've experienced in my life, um, where I felt him come to me and talk to me and teach me things that I wouldn't have learned on my own. He's helped me with a lot of this. I wouldn't be able to do what I do without him um, and his willingness to forgive and help me just be a better person. Um, and I've seen that in other people. Um, I've seen in my father-in-law, I've seen just a willingness to love me as I am and just take me right in. Like from the moment 
I first, like the first time I came to his house, I could tell, like I was nervous as I'll get out, but I could tell he was willing to accept me as one of his own kids if it ever got to that point. Yeah. And he totally does. And my lacrosse coach in high school, very patient, very willing to coach me through things. He'd see stuff and go, hey, Nick, what if you tried this? And just willing to not make me feel like an idiot for not doing it right or not knowing, but to just take the time to be with me and do that for me. Um, my dad in teaching me to just work really hard and take 100% ownership because at the end of the day, the buck stops at you. So I, I, a lot of different people in a lot of different places. Okay. Wow. That was a great answer. Yep. That was a great answer. Hey, Bear, what, 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 what about you? What's a good leader who's impacted you that has kind of come to mind? Man, I've had a lot. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a little advocacy here, and I'm gonna talk about a guy who was the boss that I hated the most. <laughs> but he taught me about the explainable side. Right? Um, we did not get along. He put me on several pips, you know, and and he made it very clear he he thought I wasn't good at my job, and he was gonna fix me. Um, but what he taught me was again, that explainable side. I learned how to take care of the company in a way that I hadn't before. I already knew how to take care of the people by the time he came along. Um, and I kind of played, you know, a buffer between him and my team, but he really did through a hard means taught me how to take care of my job, how to manage instead of lead. Cause I had the lead down. And, and so through a, through a weird way, he, he inspired me to be a better manager and showed that the, the growth mindset that I could have that I have now within myself, he, he developed that through a very odd means. And that wasn't his intention either, but that's the positivity that I took out of a terrible year and a half of a terrible boss, but I took positives out of it. Man, I like that a lot. Well, shoot. I think that that's going to wrap it up for this episode here. But real quick, Nick, give us a shout out. Where where can we find your Instagram page again? The official Nick Moyle. The official Nick Moyle. You guys go give it a check out and like. And as always, go find our page on YouTube. We are on all Spotify or not. Um, we are all on all podcast shows. That is Spotify, Amazon, Apple. I think there's one more. I'm keep forgetting. There's so many more now. Yeah. But regardless, you guys go find our page. Give us a like. Let us know what you think. And again, uh. Send us a mess. Send us some messages. We'd like to help you guys out with your situations. Give us, and then we can give you your feedback. And uh, that's what this is all about. We're here to grow, grow together. And the thing that I stumbled on at the beginning of the show: leadership culture mission. I'm, I want that on a hoodie. Leadership culture mission. I like. Can I have one? Yeah, I, I want that on a stinky. <laughs> I'll pay hoodie. you for it. <laughs> that's what I want to get to you guys. Um, again, thank you so much. We might turn this into a two bit episode. If not, Nick, we'll we'll have you back. We'll do another episode. I'm sure there's plenty more to talk to to uh, talk about. Cool. Thanks, guys. Thank, thank, thanks. Thank, thank you so much, you guys.